What if I told you the financial situation that you really desire is a lot closer than you think? Whether you're interested in becoming debt free, learning how to invest your hard earned money, or just want to take your finances to the next level, you're in the right place. The Plenty Money Podcast is for anyone who believes that financial freedom is possible. What's up, everybody? Cornelius Davis here. Coming to you today from Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out to the Braves for making it to the World Series. You know, I grew up in the Chicago area, so I'm a Cubs fan myself, but I got to give props to the Braves for making it to the big dance. We'll see how things turn out. Anyway, I want to welcome you all to another segment of the Plenty Money Podcast. Thanks to everyone for tuning in today. I receive a pretty good number of questions related to credit. And since that seemed to be a popular topic, I decided to go ahead and put together a segment on it. After all, credit does touch just about everybody's financial situation in some form or fashion. So it is beneficial to have a good understanding of how it works. You know, I can't lie, I always get a little nervous when people start asking questions related to credit. Because, you know, credit is one of those things that can be a tool or a weapon. You know, when it's leveraged strategically, it can help someone improve their overall financial situation. But on the other hand, when it's used irresponsibly, you know, a person can dig themselves into a pretty big hole. So today we're talking about credit. We're talking about what credit is, some of the benefits of good credit. And then some of the burdens of not having good credit. We'll talk about credit score and how it's structured. We'll talk about some of the ways that you can better protect your credit. And then I'll wrap up with four tips for building or rebuilding your credit. So what is credit? Credit is basically your ability to borrow money or obtain financing for a particular purchase. You know, many of the things that we need for living, we're not necessarily able to pay for all at once. Things such as buying a new home or purchasing a new vehicle, uh, paying college tuition, uh, getting caught with an expensive, unexpected repair at your home or on your vehicle. And the condition of your credit impacts your ability to be able to do these types of things. So I want to talk about some of the benefits of having good credit first, and I'll cover seven of them. Number one, lower interest rates. You know, the better your credit is, the less risky lenders consider you to be. And they're comfortable with lending you money at lower interest rates. Number two, better rates on your automobile and homeowners insurance. You know, poor credit is considered a moral hazard by the insurance companies. They view this as an indicator that somebody might not pay on time or maybe not pay at all. So these individuals are considered higher risk and therefore they're charged higher rates. Number three, the ability to purchase assets. You know, anybody who has sold a home in this current market will attest to the fact that houses appreciated in value astronomically. You know, the market is just nuts right now. 
And it was credit that allowed people to purchase those homes that they're now selling for huge profits. Number four, you avoid putting down deposits for certain services. You know, utility companies and cable companies don't trust people with bad credit. They usually request a deposit before they turn on the service. Number five, it makes you more employable. You know, some employers, uh, especially when you're talking about jobs that's handling financial transactions, they look at your credit report to determine whether or not you might be a financial risk. You know, they don't want to hire someone that they think might try and steal from the company. Number six, higher credit limits. The better your credit score, the more comfortable companies are with offering you a higher credit limit. Number seven, access to capital. You know, when you have a good credit score, just about any company will lend you money, regardless to what you need it for. And so those are some of the seven benefits of having a good credit. Now we want to look at some of the burdens of not having good credit, and I'll cover seven of those as well. Number one, lack of access to capital. You know, it's not uncommon to be turned down for financing when your credit isn't good. And so it's a struggle to get, you know, approved for things. Number two, higher interest rates. Now, everybody won't turn you down because of poor credit. Some people will go ahead and loan you the money anyway, but they'll just do so at very high interest rates. Number three. Higher insurance rates. And I just touched on this. You know, uh, insurance companies consider people with poor credit to be higher risk. And so they charge them more. Number four. Difficulty obtaining preferred housing. With housing, whether you're putting in a rental application or putting in a mortgage application, they are going to review your credit and that will affect whether or not you get approved for that housing. Number five, it makes it harder to rebuild credit. You know, when you're constantly being turned down for bad credit, it denies you the opportunity to rebuild it. It's kind of like a slippery slope. You know, you, just, you don't get approved. Number six, very low credit limits. You know, many times companies will only loan you an amount that's secured by a deposit. You know, which is fine for somebody who may be young and just starting to build credit. But if you actually need the money that you're trying to borrow, then that defeats the whole purpose. If you needed a thousand dollars to do a repair and they're saying, well, if you give us a thousand dollars, we'll loan you a thousand dollars. Well, if I had a thousand dollars, I wouldn't be here in the first place. Number seven, it makes it harder to qualify for certain jobs. You know, some jobs require that you have a security clearance. And poor credit can prevent you from obtaining a security clearance. So those are some of the burdens of not having good credit. Now, I want to shift gears right here and, and talk about credit score. You know, I know credit score might seem like a black box, but credit bureaus do have a method for how they quantify uh, somebody's credit score. And so I want to go ahead and briefly cover how credit scores are determined. 
The heaviest weighted element of your credit score is payment history. In other words, whether you pay your bills in full and on time. And payment history accounts for 35% of your total credit score. And so if you had a 700 credit score, 245 of those points are based on your past payment history. The second heaviest weighted element is credit utilization rate. Credit utilization rate is the amount of your available credit that you're actually using. You know, for example, let's say that somebody had a credit card with a $10,000 limit. And they currently have a $9,000 balance. Well, their credit utilization rate is 90%. So this portion of their score would be lower because they're using a high amount of their available credit. The less of your available credit that you're using, the higher this portion of your score will be. Credit utilization rate makes up 30% of your score. And so if someone had a 700 credit score, 210 of those points would be based on their credit utilization rate. The third heaviest weighted element is length of credit history. This is the amount of time that your credit accounts have been open. You know, for example, let's say someone has had a credit card for 15 years versus someone who's only had a credit card uh, two years. This portion of the credit score will be higher for the person who's had their account open for 15 years. Uh, length of credit history makes up 15% of your total score. And so if someone had a credit score of 700, 105 of those points would be based on their length of credit history. Next is the overall credit mix. And that looks at the type of accounts that you currently have open. You know, all credit is not considered to be the same quality. You know, for example, someone with a mortgage, student loan and auto loan. They're considered to have a better mix of credit than someone with, say, two credit cards and a timeshare. And so your overall credit mix, that makes up 10 percent of your overall scores. And so if someone had a 700 credit score, 70 of those points would be based on their mix of credit. And then the last one is recently opened accounts. And so that basically looks at the number of accounts that you've opened in a short period of time. You know, for example, let's say someone closed on a home, purchased a vehicle and financed a dining set all within the past four months. Well, that many transactions in a short period of time would negatively impact their score. Recently opened accounts makes up 10% of the overall score. And so if someone had a credit score of 700, 70 of those points are based on their recently opened account activity. And so that's basically what credit bureaus are looking at when they rate your credit. And I know I went through those fairly quickly, so feel free to reach out if you have questions about any of it. So I can't have a conversation about credit without at least mentioning identity theft. Roughly 2 million fraudulent accounts are opened up every year, so it is important to protect your credit. And I don't have time to go in depth on this, but I do want to give you three things that you can do to help prevent fraudulent accounts from being opened up in your name. 
Number one, protect your personal data. You know, this is pretty obvious, but you should always shred sensitive information and only access online accounts through a secured internet connection. Number two, review your credit report at least once a year. You know, you're entitled to one full credit report per year. So be sure to pull that and review it to make sure everything is correct. Number three, consider implementing a credit report freeze. You know, one way to make sure nobody opens up any fraudulent accounts in your name is by putting a freeze on your credit. This will prevent anyone from opening up a new account in your name, including you. So if you do implement a credit freeze, you know, you have to remove that anytime you need to apply for new credit. But, you know, you can always go and turn it back on after you've gotten your approval. And so I know some of you are probably thinking this is good information, but what I need to know is how do I improve my credit score? And I want to wrap up with four things that you can do to help improve your credit score. Number one, make all your payments in full and on time. There's, no, there's nothing you can do about past late payments, but you can make sure that you don't add any new late payments to your report. And remember that payment history is the largest individual factor of your credit score. Number two, pay down high balances. Paying down high balances reduces your overall credit utilization rate, and that helps to boost your total credit score. Number three, request a copy of your credit report, look for errors, and dispute anything that you find is incorrect. You know, removing things that don't belong on your credit report will lift your credit score. Number four, if you have a good payment history with your landlord or the utility company or the cable company, you know, request that they send your payment history to the credit bureaus. All three of them. Have them send it to all three credit bureaus. This will also help your credit score. And that's all I have today. You know, I hope you got something useful from this segment. Uh, as always, if you have a question, you can reach out to me at contact at CorneliusDavisJr.com. Uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in and have a great week. When it comes to taking your finances to the next level, surrounding yourself with like-minded people provides a tremendous boost. Being able to share ideas, receive encouragement, and leverage opportunity increases your chances of financial success. I created the Personal Economy Community to provide a virtual location for people to connect with others on similar financial journeys. If you're interested in improving your finances in any way, the Personal Economy Community is the place you want to be. That's personaleconomy.com. Personal, E-C-O-N-O-M-E dot com.